Good evening. I'm uh, very pleased to introduce tonight Professor Motoshige Ito, who is a professor of the Graduate School of Economics at the Department of Economics at the University of Tokyo. Uh, he is the president of the National Institute for Research Advancement and also a member of the Council of Economic and Fiscal Policy. He is a graduate himself of the University of Tokyo, although I've learned that he visited the LSE a while ago. And uh, his academic field of specialization is international economics. Uh, Professor Ito is closely involved in policy decision-making processes in the Japanese government and writes several columns for newspapers and magazines. Uh, this lecture will talk about the, what's called, what's known now as Abenomics, that is the policies introduced by Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe since uh, taking office in December 2012. The format of the lecture will be a 40-45 minutes lecture by Professor Ito, after which we will have plenty of time for questions and answers from the audience. Uh, before leaving the floor to Professor Ito, I would like to thank the Asia Research Center, who's organized this lecture, and uh, especially Professor Hunter, who's been hiding somewhere, but also the Department of Economics and Sticker, who have provided support for the lecture. So, without much hesitation, Professor, yeah. please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's my great pleasure uh, to come to London. The first time I came here uh, was 1975, <laughs> when I was just a young starting graduate student. Uh, one of my professors was teaching here for, as a visiting professor. So, uh, it's many, many years since then. So. Always, it's my great pleasure to come back to London, and this time especially because I was I am given an opportunity to speak uh, about abenomics. About 14 months ago, uh, I had a phone call uh, from the minister uh, Amari, who is just now the the centre of the economic policy for the Japanese government, and he asked me to be, become a member of the uh, Council on Economic and Fiscal Policies. And that council uh, consists of the six uh, economic ministers and the governor of Bank of Japan, who I think gave a lecture here uh, a few weeks ago, and four uh, private uh, the members, uh, two academia and two business community. So in that respect, I am now the insider of the policymaking. So maybe today's my view may be a little bit biased to justify what is going on. But uh, because as an academic person, I try to be as neutral as possible uh, to just uh, give you this, this, uh, the, uh, the, the, my interpretation of what is going on in Japanese economy. So let me start uh, uh, this uh, deflation uh, is a keyword uh, uh, for understanding Japanese economy. And you probably can imagine the life under deflation is very different from life under uh, just ordinary economic condition. I didn't just give the number here, but uh, basically price is falling. Just, I'll give you just an idea. Uh, the, if we compare, say, consumer price index of Japan and the United States between 1995 to 2010 for 15 years, there's a gap of the 40% difference. So price of Japan decreasing constantly, and price of the United States increasing. Maybe the price uh, change in the United States is very similar to the price change in the UK. So 
If you just have a deflation for 15 years, then you have a very substantial gap of prices. And that causes a lot of problems. I just、uh, give you just very brief description. One of the most difficult part is what I call price wage spiral. So when price starts falling, wage goes down, and that gives you another、uh, decline in price. And also, that provided the basically very stagnant economic condition. So, both household sector and、uh, corporate sector become very, very defensive. They don't spend much because they are very uncertain about the future. So, which means just the、uh, macroeconomy had a very shortage of demand, which has caused a lot of problems. And also, a very important thing is also interest rate is very low during this period. But because price is falling, but economic career interest rate is very high. We just have another problem for the,、uh, the deflation cycle. So, stopping deflation、uh, is a very important、uh, policy target of the Prime Minister Shinzo Abe when he just、uh, became the Prime Minister. And what I want to say here is Japan may not be exceptional.、Uh, we often hear this in Europe. You now have a very low. Inflation rate, and there may be some kind of Japanization of European economy,、uh, of risk of just uh, uh, getting into the deflation. And the, the Hansen is a very famous American economist in the 1940s, where he discussed a lot about the, what he calls secular stagnation, by which he means there may be some kind of structural. A problem of the economy where there's a continued lack of demand, and that is what、uh, Hansen called secular stagnation. And this secular stagnation b e c a m e very famous because the Larry Summers, the Harvard professor, started the same argument just、uh, a few years ago in IMF meeting, and since then, i n c r e a s i n g number of people start talking about secular stagnation. And、uh, so, there are many examples like、uh, American economy. Uh, after just the、uh, Lehman crisis, the US、uh, government and also、uh, Central Bank of the United States did a very quick、uh, response. And actually, they did a very good job to just stop the financial crisis. But still, it took many, many years for the US economy to just recover. And Europe, as I also mentioned,、uh, in spite of the fact of the very expansive monetary policy. The price level or price increase in inflation rate of the, the Europe is very low. So many people start talking about the, the risk of just getting into deflation. Or even just before the Lehman crisis,、uh, you probably know in 2000, there was so called the IT bubble shock, where there's a lot of、uh, crisis. And then 9 11. So the, many people were very pessimistic about the Uh, US economy. So, Mr. Greenspan introduced very, very expansive, expansionary monetary policies. So,、uh, you probably know the stock price and the real estate price increased very rapidly,、uh, what is so called bubble. But in spite of the fact of this kind of expansionary policy,、uh, the price increase was very modest and growth rate is not very high. So, there, there must be some kind of uh, uh, structural uh, factors which just cause lack of demand. Maybe demographic 
or maybe a lack of innovation. But anyway, so the, the increase of number, just say the, the orthodox macroeconomic policy may not be enough uh, the, for the economy to escape from the trap of the secular stagnations. Or some people say uh, the equilibrium real interest rate may be negative. The interest rate must be so low in order for it to be a more the sustainable economy. So the Japan is a typical case. You probably know we had a crash bubble in 1990s, and then we have a very serious financial or banking crisis in the latter half of the 1990s. But most of the, this banking crisis will be, was, was finished in the beginning of 2000. But still, after that, it's more than 15 years for us to recover from this kind of stagnation. And uh, we actually had a deflation. So this is uh, uh, the kind of a background uh, of the Japanese economy, and maybe possibly the, the very similar phenomena uh, in other industrial nations. And so the monetary policy of Bank of Japan, you probably know. The Bank of Japan just uh, introduced a very drastic uh, monetary policy. I just give a typical uh, picture of this. This is uh, just, I just picked up from the, uh, the data from Bank of Japan. The red one give you the idea of the change of the, what the economists call base money or hypered money. And that's very drastic uh, increase after Mr. Kuroda took office uh, as a governor of Bank of Japan. He, I think he gave a, a seminar here uh, two weeks ago. And more important thing, the blue one. Blue one just gives you the idea how much long-term government bond the Bank of Japan purchased. That was never done by previous governors of Bank of Japan. Because the the, if you buy, the bank, central bank buy a huge amount of the long-term government bond, which means they cannot resell to the market. So uh, the, by buying the large amount of the, uh, the government bond, the, uh, the long-term government bond, central bank show they were not going back to the original positions. Uh, this is what uh, the economists call commitment. Or when I teach this phenomena to my student or undergraduate, I often just uh, give a very old uh, Chinese story about the battle. Do you know uh, the two armies are f facing? One army has a river behind. And what the, uh, the captain or just the leader of the army uh, did is just, just destroy the bridge so that the armies or the, uh, cannot just escape, which just gave a very strong message that these uh, you know, uh, people cannot survive without fighting very severely. And this shows a signal to the other part. They uh, actually had a very strong commitment. The same thing happened to the, the Bank of Japan did. The, Mr. Kuroda, the governor of Bank of Japan, decided to buy a large amount of the long-term government bond which they will not be able to sell in future, which means they have a commitment of the expansion of the, uh, the, the monetary policies. So market just start react. This just gives you the idea of the, what economists call long-term interest rate, or interest rate on 10 years 
government bond. Blue one is United States, and red one is Japan. And there was a very significant, very quick divergence. And so you can just imagine how effective the monetary policy is. And this is the stock price. The red one is stock price. From here, there's very sudden uh, response of spot. Suddenly, stock price starts increasing just by uh, looking at the very drastic change of monetary policies. And this is the price. Now, as I said before, we have a very uh, the stagnant situation where the in price, uh, inflation rate is minus for many years. But suddenly, price starts increasing. So the monetary policy was very, very effective for the Japanese economy. And uh, deflation, uh, stopping deflation, uh, started moving. So this is the, what happened last year. The, the very important question uh, is uh, uh, what uh, is going to be uh, this year. I just uh, uh, also briefly mentioned the, uh, the effect of monetary policy is not only just uh, the monetary index such as stock price or exchange rate, but also the economic indicator such as the unemployment rate is also uh, adjusted very quickly. It was uh, about 5.5% after Lehman crisis. Now it's 3.7%. So it's a very drastic improvement of the uh, labor market. So anyway, this is what happened uh, last year. Now the question is the third arrow. That is more, most important because the so far what I talked is the macroeconomic policy. The the Bank of Japan just uh, started a very uh, aggressive monetary policy, and market reacted, and so far we did a very good job. But no one can expect this can be uh, continue forever. Unless there is an increase in private sector's uh, demand or private sector activity, you cannot just expect to, to, for the economy to continue. So uh, this is uh, the very important starting point. Now, uh, the, if you read newspapers, uh, the, you will probably know that the, the, the third law, the third most important policy of the economics is uh, growth strategies. But uh, this is a little bit confusing because the, uh, what is said by the government about third arrow is growth strategies that promote private investment. Okay. When you say just growth strategies, that is usually mean supply-side policy, right? like a deregulation or opening market or maybe tax reform, which may just uh, stimulate a more competition over the allocation resources. That is what economists call supply-side policy. But when say growth strategies that promote investment that have more the implication for demand side, which means if you can have uh, the policy change which promote more investment, that may be good uh, for the Japanese economy. And that demand versus supply uh, discussion is very, very important to just understand Japanese economic condition. So let me first just uh, emphasize the importance of demand side. Now, Although Japan suffered a lot after the crash of bubble in 1990s, and we almost had a so-called lost two decades, but there's at least one thing which is very good for Japan uh, from uh, the 
because of the difficulties. And that is just a balanced adjustment. Balanced adjustment means just, uh, for example, household sectors. Uh, because they just saved a lot during this period, they can just accumulate a huge amount of financial resources. And also, the uh, corporate sectors. In the beginning of the 1990s, they had a huge amount of debt or borrowing, and which just caused a lot of problems. But in the last 20 years, what happened is they just accumulated saving and also uh, returned their borrowing. So their balance sheet position is very good. And the uh, banking sectors. In the beginning of the 1990s, they had a huge amount of non-performing loan and there was a huge amount of the, the lending, which caused a lot of problems, just like uh, uh, the American banking sector after Lehman crisis. But uh, again, uh, in the last 20 years, they have a kind of a, uh, adjustment to just uh, have a better and better uh, financial position. So Japan is actually very well prepared to start moving. The problem is they don't move. So one of the very important uh, the part of the government policy is how to stimulate the private sector to just increase the demand. I just give you one uh, anecdotal uh, case, which is maybe very interesting. Uh, there's a very famous uh, investor in Japan. Uh, his name is Mr. Song, and he is actually running a very big company of the uh, the telephone companies. And about uh, one year ago, he had a very important announcement to buy the American telephone companies, and that surprised everybody in Japan because. It was the largest investment ever by Japanese companies to buy American uh, firm. Uh, and more importantly, he just uh, borrowed money from banks to get the financial resources to buy American companies. So it's a very risky project. And he just came to the TV program where I was a commentator. So I suppose to give a question to him. So I asked him, are you okay about this project? <laughs> and his answer was very, very straight. He said, well, well, I don't know if this is a, the appropriate English expression, but what he said, I tried to uh, translate it to English, is he wants to be a boy. Now, in Japanese expression, he wants to be a boy, is he wants to have a kind of risk-taking person. And what he said is, well, we have abundant money to be able to borrow from banking sector, or maybe many companies have their own money. And that is not the problem of Japanese economy. The problem of Japanese economy is we have a very small number of companies who want to take a risk to make investment. So deflation for 20 years just uh, discouraged the risk-taking behavior of the company in Japan substantially. So one of the very important aspects of the very drastic monetary policy to stop deflation is to change the psychology of the corporate sectors. And that is the, what the, uh, I said, the third element. So I can just give you many examples of the, uh, the, uh, the demand side, uh, the growth strategy. Well, one typical example is electric reform. Unfortunately, we had a very bad accident of Fukushima nuclear plant. It was very, very difficult experience. But uh, because of this, the, we are forced to speed up the reform 
of electricity. If you have any knowledge about the electric system in Japan, you will know it's a very outdated system. We have a vertical integration in each region and monopoly, and it's very difficult to just introduce competition. And the government tried to just reform for many years, but unfortunately, the electric industry is so strong politically, so they can resist the reform. But the accident in Fukushima just changed the balance of power and just provided more power for the government just to enforce the reform. Now, what happened? If reform is just introduced, one thing is just the unbundling, separation of generation from transfer. And there's a lot of opportunity for new companies just entering into generations. So we are now have a rush of new companies entering the generation to start the generation by uh, gas generators or uh, renewable generators. And the amount of money involved in the energy sector is very big. So this is a kind of typical image of the uh, generation, uh, the uh, growth strategy that promote investment, using private money, not government money, to just promote investment. The Olympic is another very important thing. It will be just held in 2020. We have only seven years. Now suddenly, increasing number of the company start thinking about what they are doing by 2020. And there's a lot of opportunity for just investment. And other areas. So demand uh, expansion is very important. And then, of course, supply side is the another important area. But just remember, supply side is more difficult part. The typical example of supply-side reform is, say, labor reform, for example, which is very important. But unfortunately, if government can start labor reform now, it takes maybe three years or five years for the effect of a policy change to be realized. Supply-side usually takes many years uh, for the um, economy to just respond. So we have to start as soon as possible, but we have to be re realistic that the uh, supply-side uh, policy can be more effective. So uh, yeah, just let me just pick up some of the data I just already mentioned. This is the kind of a picture about the balance sheet adjustment. Now, the, uh, the blue one is uh, the amount of debt by corporate sector. So you can see there's a significant accumulation of debt in the beginning of 1990s, just like the uh, uh, European uh, case after the, the Lima crisis, or American cases. But here, we have just very uh, constantly drastic uh, decrease of debt, or later one uh, just give you the saving of the corporate sector. So there's adjustment, very uh, the, uh, big adjustment with the balance sheet position of the corporate sector. And uh, I'm coming back here later. But uh, what I want to say is uh, whether the, uh, the supply-side policy is uh, effective or not, uh, depending on the, how the government can focus on the uh, policy for effective point. I mean, I don't know. This is the kind of expression where the, we often use. The supply-side is something like uh, just uh, making a hole to the big stone. 
there's a very difficult uh, structure where you have to change. But it is very difficult to just, uh, to just have a hole in a big stone. So what is very important is you have to find kind of weak point or a sweet spot where if you effectively just uh, push there, you can just change everything. So labor market reform. Labor market reform is very important, but it is very difficult, you know. As I said before, our unemployment rate is 3.7%. Now, the number is very good, but that doesn't imply we have, doesn't have any problem. We have a very serious problem of just the difficulty of moving labor from uh, the unproductive sector to the more the productive sectors because we have a so-called very uh, traditional uh, long-term relation between workers and companies. So company has a very difficulty to just replace the workers. So we need a reform, but it takes a lot of effort and there's a lot of difficulty uh, because of the resistance. So rather than just looking at just labor reform in general, what uh, the Prime Minister Abe is, why not just female laborers? Because we know our uh, female labor participation situation uh, is, uh, has a lot of problems. You probably know if you have ever come to Japan, you have uh, the most of business communities is very uh, male dominated. And so we are very, you know, uh, behind the, the other countries. And so increasing number of Japanese people just start talking about the importance of uh, increased opportunity for female workers. And so the, it is much easier to have a kind of a consensus between the peoples. So uh, Mr. Abe just uh, emphasized uh, how we can just uh, stimulate the female labor participation reform now, uh, rather than just uh, talking about a general labor reform in general. So this is a kind of a, uh, the uh, typical example of the effective uh, policy reform. And uh, electricity, I have already said, we have to speed up the reform anyway. So this is, a, again, is a kind of typical case where uh, the, it's very important timing. And I, have, I want to say other two things, TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership. This is a so-called free trade agreement uh, negotiation in Asia Pacific. Now, we are now negotiating. And negotiation is not very easy uh, because the, we have to open up our market for the beef, rice, and other things. And it is often very difficult to just uh, open this market because the farmers, agriculture sector is very strongly opposing to the opening. But anyway, uh, this kind of negotiation is very important because once conclusion, once the agreement is made, that will have a very drastic change for the trading environment. So TPP may be very important, and if we can have some kind of the conclusion of negotiation, that will change a lot. And also, uh, recently, increasing discussion is made about corporate tax reform. Now, Japan and the United States are the, the only two exceptions where corporate tax rate is very high, something like 37% or 38%. You probably know in the United Kingdom, the corporate tax rate is something like 25%. And actually, most of the European countries and Asian countries just uh, continued the lowering 
the tax rate in order to just uh, globalize the economy. So if we can just have some kind of a, a reform for corporate tax, uh, that will have a very important influence on the corporate sector. So anyway, so these are what is now discussed in Japan. And uh, the, I want to just uh, try to just uh, uh, summarize the, one, the, my discussion by talking about the most important issue for Japan, fiscal reform. You probably know we have a very serious problem of the government fiscal uh, positions. Debt over GDP ratio of Japan is something like a 24, 240%. Okay. I had a very interesting discussion or conversation with uh, Italian politicians about one year ago. Uh, Italian politician came to Japan, and I was asked to just have a discussion with him over the dinner. So we just uh, uh, greeted in the beginning. And that time, Italy is facing a very serious problem of fiscal crisis, as you probably remember. So I just said to him, uh, I just, uh, just understand you have a very difficult situation over the fiscal problem. And obviously, he was very angry about my statement. So what he said is, uh, Italy, Italy will do Italy's own work very uh, intensively, so Japan should do Japan's own problem. Okay. And then he said the, the debt GDP ratio or government debt GDP ratio of Italy is only 125%. And Japan is 240%. So he implicitly wants to say Japan is much worse than Italy. Now, at that time, there's one thing I want to say to say him, but it may not be very diplomatic, so I didn't say. What I want to say is Italy just faced fiscal crisis only at the level of 125%. Japan is very calm, even uh, by the amount of 240%. Of course, I'm not Im implying that the, the large amount of debt is not a problem. It's a, a lot of problem. But more important thing is just uh, when you're looking at the fiscal position, what is most more important is whether the economy is moving to the better position or worse position. And this is the very essence of the fiscal reform in Japan. Now, what we learn in the past is it is impossible to just implement fiscal consolidation under deflations. Okay. Well, in the university, I teach to my students different things. You can always uh, have a fiscal reform, whether it is inflation or deflation. It's very simple. Just increase tax and cut expenditure. Then you have a fiscal reform. But if you look at the realistic implication, it's not that easy. Uh, because if you just uh, increase tax and uh, cut the expenditure under deflation, then in economy becomes very a lot of problem. Uh, the uh, maybe unemployment rate increase, or there's a lot of uh, the uh, angry voice from the say senior people, where if their medical expenditure is cut. So stopping deflation is a very important starting point of the fiscal. Consolidation. I just give you the one picture. This is a very important picture. Uh, just the, this red dot is uh, what we call the, the budget deficit over GDP. Here, by budget deficit, I mean uh, what we call the primary budget deficit. 
by primary budget deficit mean just forget about just government bond or borrowing, just look at only just tax revenue and expenditure. And the difference between tax revenue and expenditure is what economists call primary fiscal balance. So we are now in a the large amount of the, uh, the negative number, the large amount of deficit, about the 6.7% of our GDP, huge amount. But if you look at this, uh, there's a kind of expectation that the, this deficit is just uh, shrinking very rapidly to almost 50% shrinkage in two years. That is a target for economics, for the fiscal consolidation. Now, the reason is very simple. Under deflation, you know, you just have a shrinking tax revenue. It's very difficult. But we are now moving from deflation to mild inflation, so which allow me, allow us, to have an increasing tax revenues. And of course, uh, you probably know we are going to have an increasing consumption tax from 5% to 8% this year, and probably from 8% to 10% next year. So these just give us a very uh, the, uh, drastic improvement of the, the fiscal position. And this is very important. Okay? If you, uh, uh, the budget deficit becomes worse next year, uh, worse in two years, then market becomes very pessimistic and just uh, the, the fiscal problem becomes more serious. But if you are improving this year, next year, and two years, and then market will just, uh, uh, just uh, become more stable. And so uh, stopping deflation is a very important uh, starting point of the fiscal consolidation. But unfortunately, we cannot just achieve another target. Another target for the government is we want to make the fiscal uh, the balance to the positive by the year 2020. Unfortunately, we still cannot reach, even though uh, we can just uh, continue the economics. And uh, the, the reason is very simple. You know, Japan is aging very rapidly, and our consumption tax is still only 10% at most if we can just increase the tax rate next year. And if you compare to, say, European countries, uh, you are not that aged community, but you have a very high consumption tax. So we need some more additional uh, reform between the year of 2015 to the years of 2020s. So, so the, we still have a very uh, difficult problem of fiscal consolidation, but this is uh, what is, uh, should be discussed from now on. Now, there's some comment I want to make about the, the fiscal uh, position of the Japanese economy. First of all, uh, if we just I talk about what we call the non-social security spending by the government, the government spending excluding social security spending, which means education or the defense or the, uh, the public investment. Now, the non-social security spending by the government over GDP, the Japan number is the lowest among OECD countries, which means we don't spend much <laughs> on these items. Or that means just we have a very successful in just controlling the expenditure. Now how about medical expense? If you just try to measure the medical expense over GDP, 
Japan is probably average or a little bit below the average of OECDs. In spite of the fact Japan is the very aged society, the, the, the aging uh, degree in Japan is one of the highest among OECD countries. So in that respect, in, in that respect we are doing a very good job to just control the medical expense. And you know, Japanese people live very long. Maybe not because of medical service, maybe because of Japanese food, I don't know. But anyway, so far, performance is good. So what I want to say is just problem is not the past. Problem is in the future. From now on, there's more aging of the society. So if we don't do anything, then medical expense or the pension is just expanding and expanding. So we have to do uh, the uh, try to just... Uh, control from now on. So the abenomics, uh, let's just uh, summarize what I said. Uh, the first starting point is just uh, stopping deflation, and which was very successful so far, and which is very important starting point for us to discuss the uh, fiscal reform, because once we shifted from deflation to inflation, uh, modest inflation, then we have a more chance of the fiscal reform. And second thing is the abenomics is just uh, starting from the uh, monetary policy uh, so that we can just stop deflation by changing people's mindset. But then next stage, next sequence is the importance of demand policies, how we can just promote demand. Because we have abundant uh, fiscal resources, but not many boys. I mean, the, the corporate sector is still very pessimistic. So we have to change the mindset so that there's more opportunity for the investment. And then finally, supply-side reform is becoming more and more important. In the long run, we need to just reform the community so that we can have a, the higher uh, productivity and more potential growth. And that is the challenge from now on. So I stop here, and uh, I just uh, I want to just have a conversation with you. So please uh, give any comment or the question. Thank you very much.